Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 180, 180 of these beauties. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am amped up and I'll tell you why. The New York Jets play a football game tomorrow and I'll be in attendance. Can you believe it? We are finally here. The longest offseason in the history of freaking offseasons is over we have football back oh i don't even care that the starters and the regulars are not expected to go i will give you my thoughts and on what to expect do some housekeeping things we'll go through your voicemails a lot of calls this week to go through i'm excited about that but before we get into all of that a word from our sponsors over at manscaped ladies and gentlemen it's time to unleash the beast The beach beast, that is, within you. This summer, Manscaped is here to help you level up your beach game with their new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. They're going past waist deep in the grooming game and diving in headfirst to your facial hair fantasies. The Beard Hedger is a game changer. Allow you to shape your beard like a true beach babe. So this summer... Let those beach balls bounce and turn heads all over the place. Visit manscaped.com and use my promo code JETS20, that is J-E-T-S-2-0, and you could have your beard looking as good as green beans. That's right. I'm going to bring green bean into this one. That's right, folks. You could have that beauty of your own with Manscaped. Promo code JETS20. Thank you so much. All right, let's hop into today's episode. Again, a lot to get into. There is Football. So I mentioned it before, but I will be there at the Hall of Fame game. I will be there for the Hall of Fame ceremony on Saturday. And also, we have to mention, if you didn't already know this, on Friday, if you are making the trip out to Canton for the New York Jets Hall of Fame, make sure to come to Jersey's in the Belden location, at the Belden location, because myself, Boy Green, Jake Asman, the three of us will be hanging out a Jets fan hangout. We got an open area for four hours where all Jet fans could come, hang out, get some great food, a few beverages. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, I am super excited to be there, and I am so excited to meet so many of you guys. I met uh, a few subscribers at Jets training camp this past Sunday. What an experience that was. It was I was there, Richie from Jets Media, Ryan from Jets Talk 24-7, and Green Bean, the four of us. Uh, we went together. We sat together. It was a great time. We were able to ha- uh, hang out, take in practice. Richie was catching stuff on uh, on his live stream. Green Bean caught one on his live stream. It was fantastic. It was absolutely a great time. But football is here. This is what we've been waiting for, right? And I know that you're not going to be able to see Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, ah, you want to eventually see him, right? I, I got the itch, but... Let's be real. You don't want Aaron Rodgers playing a whole lot in this preseason. If there is a game where he will play in this preseason, the Giants one seems to make the most sense. That's where many have pointed to as the opportunity uh, for him to get on the field. Uh, Robert Sala has kind of hinted at that game being the ramp up game. So the first one a week before everyone else plays Not a great time to play your starters, but that means we will have a close eye on some other people which have some not gigantic roles. Like, obviously, you're not going to see, you know, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, you know, the the main core, the main crop. But there will be some important pieces playing in this game, starting with 
none other than the the former guy you thought was going to be the franchise quarterback in Zach Wilson. And you, I know what you're saying. I was like, how could you possibly just say, you know, Zach Wilson is an important piece of this team and he's not going to be the starting quarterback. Well, we have a lot to see with Zach Wilson if he's going to able to be able to prove that he is deserving of this QB2 spot because it's him, it's Boyle, it's Strebler. Not a whole lot there. Strebler is a practice squad player, gadget player, can't really throw the ball uh, all that well. Where Boyle is a borderline rosterable player, and you would hope, right, that a year three less, keyword less, not fully, less mentally broken Zach Wilson could be a top 50 quarterback, which that's really, you need your backup quarterback to be like a, a top 50 guy. And if Zach Wilson could has to come in for a game and he could give you what he did against Buffalo the first time or what he against, did against Green Bay, you could live with that. You could survive that. Or maybe Miami, that might have been his best game last year or one of his better games last year. Then you could survive. If he's giving you any of the New England performances, the Jacksonville performance, half of the Detroit game, well, then you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. And, you know, it's not to come and sit here and say that, like, oh, my God, if he plays well in the preseason, then that means that he's the answer after Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going there. But you have to at least see, are there any strides being taken? Is it still the same guy that we saw as the first two years of his career? And specifically with the preseason, too, by the way, the only the limited time, the two drives we saw of Zach Wilson in the preseason against the Eagles, not good. An interception and an injury. That's what we saw from Zach Wilson in the preseason last year. A terrible interception and an injury where he could have slid and went down or ran out of bounds, instead tried to fight for extra yards, hurts himself. So we haven't seen a ton in the preseason of him uh, the last little bit. He balled out against the Green Bay Packers in the preseason in 2021. That was exciting. Uh, I definitely did not overreact to that game and think, you know, the Jets found their answer at the quarterback position or anything like that, but... Don't you don't you want to see what what he looks like as QB two? And granted, you have to take some of it with a grain of salt as well because they're going up against other backups on the Cleveland Browns. But it's the closest thing that you'll get to a simulated game. You could do eleven on eleven in practice, you know, in in training camp, but it's not the same underneath you know the bright lights during a game atmosphere. You're in your jerseys, the whole nine yards. You know, it's an actual game. And I want to see how far along he's come. I think that's a realistic thing to say or want to see. The next guy that most people are excited about, uh, in addition to Zach Wilson, is Mekhi Becton. Because Becton may have a chance to be a starter on this team. He's expected to play 20 to 25 snaps, according to head coach Robert Sala. And, you know, I, I want to see him take strides. Because it's been a rocky training camp so far for him. He's the left tackle with the twos right now. He has done some work on the right side. He had a great quote yesterday where he said that he is open to playing the left or the right side. He just wants to play. Right answer, Makai. Maybe you didn't have to go to Newsday and uh, tweet out that I'm a left tackle, all that stuff. And I, I understand the mindset that he wants to have, that he proved to himself that he could do it. I, I understand all that. We've done, gone through, you know, 
all that that discourse on it. But uh, Makai Becton playing twenty to twenty five snaps. I, like we got to walk before we run. Running would be that he is able to be a starter on this football team. And I know Dwayne Brown has not been here yet for training camp. You have to imagine Dwayne Brown is going to be the starting left tackle on this team, right? I would be shocked if it's anyone not named Dwayne Brown. As for right tackle, Max Mitchell, Billy Turner, Makai Becton. It could be any one of those three guys. But before you get to that point, you got to see if Becton can handle 20 to 25 plays. He hasn't played in two years. Get through a game. You know, and then, you know, it's not going to be a full game, but however many play 20 to 25, what, what is that going to be? Three drives, maybe four, something like that. See, let's see. What does he look like? Can he handle it? Can he keep pace? Is he getting beat? All realistic questions and all things you're going to want to see answers to because he, again, he has that outside chance. And if you are looking at ceilings of this offensive line, if Makai is healthy, ready to go, and looks like the 2020 version of himself, that would be the highest ceiling possible for this offensive line. Because something we've mentioned all offseason long is the variance that this offensive line could have. It could be an okay offensive line. I don't think it's going to be an amazing offensive line, but I think it could be an average to slightly above average offensive line if things go really well. If things go wrong, I think it could stink. I think this line could straight up stink and not be very good. But hopefully, hopefully it's great, but you're probably looking at somewhere in the middle. And if you could be somewhere in the middle, I think you could survive with everything else. But Makai Becton getting a look is something worthwhile to me. Let's take a look at some other. I have, uh, let's see, four more guys that I really want to keep a close eye on and something that I'm, want, again, want to want to see and not really get into expectations. Not necessarily going to be breaking down who's going to win the game, who's going to lose the game. I'm going to predict stat yard, uh, stats and lines and all that stuff. But players who you should be keeping an eye on is really what I guess this is, this is all about. And, you know, another one for me, while we're on the topic of the offensive line, is Joe Tipman, which has been a topic of controversy on social media the last couple of days. I cannot believe some of the discourse going around on Joe Tipman, the Jets' second-round pick, where people are already saying that it was a bad pick. They wasted it. They should have taken uh, John Michael Schmitz, uh, or Schmidt to some, um, that it's going to haunt the New York Jets for a decade They're nine practices in, nine practices into the season. And there are are already declarations that Joe Tipman is not the guy. I, I, I don't, what are we doing? Like, can we try, keyword try, not necessarily do, because this is asking a lot for some of this fan base, a section of this fan base. But I'm going to ask you really, really hard if you could do this one thing. Give it your best shot, at least. Again, not saying that it's a guarantee that it's going to work or anything like that, but I want you to try to do this one thing. Use your brain. Use your brain. Let's think rationally or try to think rationally for a second. This is not me coming on here saying that 
for sure Joe Tipman is going to be great or that for sure he is going to be better than John Michael Schmitz or any of that. We don't know. The only way that you will know is if he plays and you just have to be patient. I know you don't want to hear anything about patience because Jet fans are not very patient, especially after missing the playoffs for 12 years. But not every single freaking prospect is going to be Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, or Sauce Gardner. They are the outliers of outliers. It usually takes a little bit for guys to reach their potential. Guys don't come in and pop right away. Jermaine Johnson, perfect example. But for someone, especially someone who was taken outside the first round, it'd be like, oh, not going to start the first game of the year. Mistake. Should have taken John Michael Schmitz. It's like, what? What are we doing? And I can't believe like I have to come on here and say that. And look, I from the draft process, if you've watched me since April, I was a JMS guy. I like John Michael Schmitz. Joe Tittman was my third, second or third center. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look. But... Yeah, I think he was because I think Luke Wipler was or Whipler was uh, my second center. But moral of the story, those three guys were pretty close who were going to be taken in the second or third round. And like they you you know why the Jets took Joe Tippmann is because they like his athleticism. They like what he can do in the run game. He's also two years younger than John Michael Schmidt, so has two years less playing experience. But none of these things could be factored in. Why? Because too many fans don't use their brain. They don't think. I Again, asking someone, especially someone on the internet, to, to, to use critical thinking is sometimes a challenge, but I, I'm really going to try hard for you guys. To, I want you guys to try hard to do that. And we'll get a good long look because Connor McGovern's not going to play in this game. And yeah, maybe you see... Um, you know, a rotation of other offensive linemen in there. But I think Joe Joe Timmon is going to get a pretty nice run. And I want to see how he can handle it. Center's a tough position to play. On the offensive line, you have a lot of responsibility as a center. And he's a young kid. I think people forget that too often. Let's stay on the offensive side of the ball and other people that I am taking a look at to watch. Jeremy Rucker, who I think has had a very good camp. Uh, young tight end. And you could throw a Koontz in the mix too, who's someone who's going to get a run. But... I think Jeremy has a chance to jump up to be the tight end too. And, you know, I've heard people say that by the end of the year, Jeremy Rucker could be tight end one. I don't think I'm ready to go that far. I don't think he surpasses Tyler Conklin, but Ruckert's made some plays during training camp and he's ran with the ones at times a lot because Uzama hasn't been cleared until recently. You know, Uzama's not going to play in this game and Tyler Conklin's also not going to play. So, Ruckert's going to get a long extended look in this preseason and he has a chance to really make a name for himself. He was a stud in the preseason last year. He had a touchdown in the preseason game against Philadelphia last year. Who threw that touchdown pass? Was it? Oh, I think it was Strebler. It could have been Strebler. I, I'm trying to remember back. I, I think it was Chris Strebler against the Eagles. But moral of the story is I, I think this is a guy that you're going to want to keep an eye on. Uh, because he's someone who, while I don't think is going to lend himself a starting job, he could put himself in the good graces of being in the rotation and being a guy who's going to be in the mix and maybe play uh, ahead of someone in CJ Uzama. So I'm I'm looking at Jeremy Rucker. Um, staying on the offensive side of the ball, I got one more offensive guy, and then I'll give you a defensive player. 
is a guy who I've talked about a lot during training camp. I really, I, I do like him, and uh, that's Jason Brownlee, uh, an undrafted free agent. He continues to make plays in training camp. And look, that's not to sit here and say, like, I'm not saying that he's going to surpass Corey Davis or Alan Lazard or Randall Cobb or Nicole Hardman, any of those guys, and be, you know, wide receiver two, three, four. I don't think that's going to be the case, but can he be a sixth wide receiver, give you good special teams value, and also give you a couple of catches? Yeah, I think he can. I definitely think he can. And it's tough because you have guys like Xavier Gibson, who has also flashed at times during training camp and is, you know, a returner. I think he's going to have a hard time making this roster because I don't know how you could possibly not keep Jason Brownlee with how he's performed so far. And if that, what we've seen, if what we have seen in training camp so far translates in the preseason, we could be looking at a Robbie Anderson situation. Because if you go back to 2016, Robbie Anderson was a UDFA uh, and had an outside chance to make that roster. He made the roster and ended up was, was a good jet. And I know it ended badly, and it was a, a weird relationship that Jet fans had with Robbie Anderson, and he leaves, and you know the sun god and changes his name a couple times and stuff like that. He's a little bit of an odd cat, but Robbie was a pretty good Jet on some really bad on some really bad teams. If I'm not even saying that Brownlee could be Robbie, which he was essentially their number one, and not that Robbie's a true number one receiver, but Brownlee could give you something. And those unsung heroes, like finding guys like that, I think you have to give Joe Douglas credit for, to be honest with you. While there's been some misses in the drafts, he's done a really good job, really good job at undrafted free agency. Bryce Huff, UDFA. Jason Brownlee, who we just talked about, UDFA. Uh, Bam Knight, so UDFA running back that he found that, uh, you know, we like. Tony Adams is another one. The, the coaching staff lists him as the starting free safety right now. Tony Adams, he's a UDFA last year. That's, again, got to give Douglas and the staff credit for that. They've had their fines. They've had their misses, but they've also had their fines. And uh, I'm excited to w- see if his skill set translates during the preseason. Can you make some big plays and really cement yourself on the roster? I think you can. On the defensive side of the football, I'll give you the one name that's really jumping out that I want to keep a close eye on, and that is Michael Clemens. He was someone else who was very good in the preseason last year as a rookie. Where does he play is my question and what I want to see. Do they have him line up as a big edge outside like John Franklin Myers, or do they move him inside more often and have him play on the interior? He's put on weight. He's up over 280 pounds now. Yoked, all muscle, by the way, which is which is good, a, a good thing. But I, I, I'm very excited to see where Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, and uh, Jeff Ulbrich, obviously, like what their plan is for him. That's what I want to see. I think my guess, we don't know. There's no way to know this because we haven't seen it yet. But my anticipation is that he is going to play more on the inside, which I think is a good thing, by the way. I think that is absolutely a uh, a good thing for this team because they have so many bodies on the edge, and I think there's an opportunity for him to play on the inside. He'll be a rotation guy. I don't think he, you know, Quinnen is going to play 60-plus percent of the snaps, and 
you know, Al Woods and Quentin Jefferson are, are there, and I would still put them ahead of Michael Clemens, uh, Michael Clemens but maybe he, Clemens could jump a Solomon Thomas. And maybe Solomon Thomas is a little bit more expendable. That's what I want to see. So those are my guys. Let me know in the comments uh, or on social media where or who you are looking at in this game and what you want to see from those guys. I thought it was worthwhile to go through and to talk about. So let's get into those voicemails. I'm not going to do, uh, I don't have audio files for this week. We have uh, five calls to go through. So I wanted to go through your voicemails. Some of them were a little bit on the longer side. Uh, and we have some things to react to in the voicemail. So I uh, figured we'll start there. Dan in Georgia starts us off. He wants to talk about some stat predictions. All right, let's do it. Hey, what's up, Matt? This is Dan calling in from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I just want to go over some stat predictions that I have for this year. Um, I'm pretty much just going to be going over guys that I know are going to make the team. I'm not including like some of the running backs. Um, like Izzy and Bam, I don't I don't know who's going to make the team, so I, I, I left them off, but here we go. Oh, also, I think they are going to go 12-5 and five this year. Playoffs, nice. Win a playoff game, maybe two. We'll see. Super hyped. Um, but, yeah, let's get into it. So, Rodgers, I got going for around 4,100 passing yards this year, 32 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Uh, Garrett Wilson, I got floating for 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns. Uh, Lazard, I got 680 yards, seven touchdowns. Corey Davis, I got 520 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Randall Cobb, I got him going for like 350 uh, with a, a touchdown. Um, Nicole Hardman, I got for 300 yards with two touchdowns. Uh, Conklin, I got going for 480 with three touchdowns. Um, Uzama, I got going for like 210 with two touchdowns. Um, and then for the running backs, I got Brees going for around 1,200 total yards um, and eight touchdowns. And then Michael Carter, I got going for 750 total yards and four touchdowns. Mm. Um, let me know what you think. Um, I think these are pretty fairly conservative numbers. I think they could explode for even more, but I want to hear what your, what your thoughts are on it. So um, anyways, thanks for taking my call. And as always, go Jets. Yeah, thank you so much for calling in, Dan. I really like these. Um, I have the Jets at a eleven or twelve wins, so you have them at twelve and five. So that's uh, that's right on the money there with where I think they end up this year. Rogers at forty one hundred. I think that's a good number. He'll go over four thousand. I don't think he'll crush it though. I don't think they're going to throw to the point where he's you know approaching five thousand yards where. You know, we've seen quarterbacks do that now, you know, in today's NFL, go for 5,000 yards. But Rodgers is, is as great as he is. That's not what you want, how you want to run this offense. They're going to run the ball more, which as you, you hinted at by some of your projections there. I agree. I think you're getting 1,300 at least from Garrett Wilson, like a, a floor of 1,300, which sounds crazy, but somewhere between 13 and 15. Maybe a touch more for Lazard like 750 in that range. We're not off by a lot. I think you're on the money with uh, Davis getting a little over 500. I think Hardman's ends up with a little bit more than 300. Um, but again, we're pretty close on some of those. Brees, it's 1,200 total yards, so that's rushing and receiving. Yeah, I would think he goes over 1,000 rushing, like barely over 1,000. Uh, or if they bring him on slow, maybe it's in the 900s, but... 
The only one I'm unsure, I guess, at the end of the running backs is Michael Carter if he ends up with 750. For both, I guess so. I do think he bounces back. But Carter and Bam Knight and Izzy, those those three, if assuming they all stick, assuming that, you know, unless they sign a Dalvin Cook and, and someone and Dalvin comes in and then that probably changes Michael Carter's numbers as well. I think they're all kind of hanging around 300, those guys. I think they, the other three split carries with Brees getting more of the, the yardage and the other ones rotate, you know, by, by week or by need, whatever the opponent is. But these are really, I think you're close. I don't want to necessarily give away where I am in my stat predictions yet. I really, I like to do those before the start of the season, but we are, we're pretty close in, in a line. It's not like, I'm saying, oh my God, like you're way off on Lazard. He's going to be 900 yard receiver. No, 680 is not, that's not a bad number. I think he gets over 700, maybe closer to eight, but that's not off by a ton. Davis, I think people are sleeping on. I think he'll get 500. I think you're a touch low on Hardman, but not not crazy. But yeah, I like these. I think that's, that's good predictions. I think, and it's rational to go conservative, right? Like, you're going to have people predict them to throw 40 touchdowns and that would be great. But I, I don't, I don't know if we're going to see that 40, 4,200 yards, 30 to 34 touchdowns, eight to 10 interceptions. I think that's, that's absolutely fair expectations. Next up, uh, this caller did not leave uh, a name, but he was very heated about Sean Payton's quotes. So uh, let's get into it. Let's talk uh, some Sean Payton. Matt, love you, bro. You Appreciate are you. I go to when it comes to jet moves, jet takes, rumors, whatever it is, bro. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank Listen, you. I think uh, Peyton's quote is the best thing that could have happened to the Jets this entire offseason. Mm. That is what we needed. Hear me out. Listen, it's one thing when it comes from players, but it's another thing. When it comes from a coach who's not out there putting his body on the line, not out there with the grind, playing through injuries, he's just out there talking, trying to build his team up by tearing another team down. And somebody who's supposed to be so prestigious like Sean Payton, this didn't come from an internet troll, this didn't come from an IG or Twitter comment, this came from supposedly Hall of Fame coach Sean Payton, offensive guru Sean Payton. And he's worried. And he's scared, but I'm going to tell you something. He's saying exactly what the world thinks of us. Because I've been feeling like the Jets been walking around. You guys are smiling a little too hard for me. A little too much in the cameras. We a little too giggly out here. Like, we want something. Like, we got Aaron Rodgers, and we got an automatic ticket to the playoffs. No, we got to focus on coming out of week six with a winning record. Because if we don't, in the AFC East, that is a death star. All right? We're going to have to scratch and crawl to get to a wild card. We know Rodgers gets off the slow starts. They are expecting us to fail. This buildup, this hype, this overrating, it is purposeful. They are doing it on purpose just so we can ethically fail. So I'm glad Sean Payton said what he said so we can lock in and, 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 and go back to doing what we do, getting it out the mud. Nobody believes in us, bro. We are still the New York Jets. We haven't done anything yet. You understand? Thank you, Sean Payton. Thank you for saying what the world thinks of us. It is us versus everybody. We call it Jets Nation. 
for a reason because we're the only ones that have been here long before we were a twinkle in Aaron Rodgers' eyes. And we're the only ones that are going to be here whether we win or lose. Jets Nation versus everybody. Fuck Sean Payton. <laughs> Love you, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, man. That was epic. Oh, my God. And that call got me so amped up. I love it. And you're right. It's like, why would you give a team any more bulletin board material? And look, I get frustrated when players do it. Like you mentioned, like on, on Instagram, on a live stream somewhere, on a podcast, sometimes a player will make a comment and it's like, like, I get it. Like, talk your smack, whatever. It's fine. I'm not like saying I'm an anti-fun guy and don't do it. But, but for me personally, I don't like giving teams extra motivation or bulletin board material. I don't think I've ever seen a coach come out and be that blatant about his stance on a team and on a person than what we saw from Sean Payton and Nathaniel Hackett. And God's honest truth, I talked about it in my recap on Sunday, uh, as as did Ryan from Jets Talk. It, it, I wish we got it on video. I'm going to put it on the screen right now. But God's honest truth, I'm sitting next to Ryan. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett's walking by. He screams out, Sean Payton's a bum, and you get a little, a little smirk and fist pump uh, from Nate Hackett, and the crowd laughed. It was good. It was that was that was awesome. But okay, you saw how the team responded. How Billy Turner and Aaron Rodgers and everybody had the back of uh, their guy and Robert Sala. I think he handled that tremendously. He could have absolutely come in uh, and been you know just as bad right back. And yeah, okay. You, you want to say that? Sure. All right. That's fine. That's fine. You believe whatever you want to believe. We'll see you week five. And whatever happens, happens, right? But man, if there was ever a team, it's crazy. I would not think that I would be this amped up for the Jets to play the Denver freaking Broncos. But here we are in week five. I hope the Jets go out there and drop 40 plus points on them. I hope they run up the score. I hope they embarrass them. I hope Russell Wilson stinks. I hope Sean Payton's offense does nothing against this Jets defense. And I hope Aaron Rodgers goes out, throws for 350 yards and three touchdowns. Is benched in the third quarter because the Jets are up 38-3. And it's just a it's a bloodbath. And Nathaniel Hackett's sitting up there in the box, smiling. CBS puts him up on the screen there. A little smirk. Tony Romo's laughing. The whole thing. That's what I want to see. Thank you, Sean Payton. I, I'm I'm with you. I'm with this caller. I know he didn't leave a name, but I'm with the caller. Thank you. I'm with you. Please give this team extra motivation. Please continue to doubt this team. I like it. I like it. Next up, we got Nikki calling in from Montclair, New Jersey. Uh, he wants to talk about the defensive line rotation. Let's do it. What's up? This is Nikki from Montclair. So there's a problem I have with this team. I think we have the best corners in the game which means if you get pressure to the quarterback, they're either going to see good coverage, hold on to the ball, take a sack, maybe fumble, or they're going to force a throw too early. And I like the odds of Reed, Sauce, and Carter to be able to get a pick on a forced throw. Then you got Quinnen, who is arguably the best defensive tackle in the league, not named Aaron Donald. He had 12 sacks last year. So if you... If you go one-on-one -on -one against him, he's probably going to get in, disrupt the play. And then if you double-team him, that means the rest of our linemen are going three versus three. They all have one-on-one -on -one matchups. Now, the end of the season, we didn't get 
turnovers. We needed turnovers. Our offense was atrocious. We needed our defense to win the game, and we didn't get it. And I think a big reason for that is I don't think JFM should be playing at the end as much as he does. I'm not saying mm-hmm. JFM's a scrub, but we have better players on the roster. Like, I'm going to start with Bryce Huff. Every time he checks in the game, I just watch him on the play. Every time he's doing something good, he's getting in there. And people always say, oh, well, he's bad against the run. One, he's been on the team for a few years. I don't remember. I can't recall a play off the top of my head where I'm like, oh, man, this guy is so bad against the run. And let's say he is, you know, below average against the run. I think his, his ability to rush the passer far outweighs how bad he is against the run. I mean, the guy was addressed the first three games. I don't think he's getting enough chances. And then Jermaine Johnson. I feel like he's forgotten because we had so many high draft picks. But most years you get one first-round pick. There's a guy who, if he went top five, nobody would complain about it. And he's on the field, what, like 20% of snaps? I feel like he's never in. And I think he's just got to get out on the field more. And I think he showed potential. I think he also showed he's really good against the run. And even Michael Clemens, dude, Michael Clemens looks great. Uh, I think these guys aren't getting enough chances. And like I said, JFM's good. I think he should just be maybe end on heavy rundowns or something. But, like, especially when it comes to Huff, I think we might have something with this guy. And... Even just seeing this, these guys' potential, hopefully Lawson was, like, you know, kind of hurt last year and comes back better. But, dude, even with him, I like, I think the fact that JFM has five sacks and you got our defense around him, you should be eating people up with Quinnen, you know, doing work inside. Uh, but I also think the good thing... I got caught at the end there. Uh, <clears throat> he hit that three-minute mark, but I... I, I like JFM. I'm a big fan of his game. I think he's still very underrated. He had five sacks, uh, as you mentioned, but his pressure numbers were really good for this team. Um, for qualified edge rushers, there are 150... Hang on. The the screen froze naturally. 125, excuse me. 125 qualified edges. In terms of pressures... He is the highest for any jet ed rusher at 26. Twenty uh 26th in the in the league tied with Bradley Chubb and two pressures more than Carl Lawson who is uh 28th. He had more pressures than Brandon Graham, Chandler Jones, Frank Clark, Von Miller. I would move him inside on third downs and have like, I'm good with like Will McDonald and Bryce Huff coming in as your edge rushers or with, you know, Carl Lawson, you know, rotating like on, on third and second and longs and you can move JFM inside, but he had, what was the percentage? uh, Does it have the percentage of snaps that he played? Yeah, it does. He played 56%. I don't really want him coming below 50%. And maybe that comes down a little bit, but like I would bump like Nathan Shepard played 36% of the snaps. Sheldon Rankins, 49 Solomon Thomas, 32.95. Like those numbers should be way, way, way down with 
JFM getting moved inside a little bit more, as you mentioned. Uh, and Jermaine Johnson at 27% should be higher. That should be 40 plus percent. Uh, and Bryce Huff, 16.78 is low. I agree with you there, but I, I don't. I'm. I don't know. I'm. I like John Franklin Myers a lot. I don't think I want him playing like maybe I'll lower it to 45 percent. Like I don't think Michael Clemens, Jermaine Johnson, and Bryce Huff should be playing more than JFM's percentage. If you want to make them closer, fine. I could be good with that. But I, I, I think JFM's a little underrated. Thank you for the call. We're going to go out to a, another no-name caller. But saying that this is the year. Is this the year for the New York Jets? Maybe. Possibly. All right, let's do it. You're the best guy here on YouTube there. I've been a Jets fan since I was 11 years old. Saw Joe Willie Namath win it all. Been waiting ever since. This is the year. Let's go Jets. <laughs> I love the energy there, and thank you for the for the compliment at the at the start. Uh, there's been a lot of fans waiting for a really long time for the New York Jets to to get this done. And you know, this year does feel different. And maybe I'll get hurt. You know, maybe that'll hurt me saying it because I have these high expectations, and maybe they won't won't reach the expectation. I don't know if I could say. Like with certainty, the Jets are winning the Super Bowl this year, but I do think they are absolutely one of the teams that are in the conversation for it. I think you can make the case for five teams in the AFC who could come out from the AFC. I put the Jets in there. I put the Bills in there. I put the Bengals in there. Uh, depending on obviously the severity of Burrow's injury, I put the Chiefs in there. Um. I'm missing a team. And maybe the Ravens would be the the fifth team. I don't I don't think the Steelers are ready. I don't think the Jaguars are are ready, even though they could be a division winner. Uh I don't trust Tua to stay healthy. Otherwise, if Tua could stay healthy, then add them in the mix, but he hasn't shown that yet. If he does, that could be a team that's absolutely in the mix. But they're gonna be in there. They're gonna have a really good shot. And we could be excited about it. We're allowed to be excited about it. Let's go to Eric calling in from Belgium. We got a long-distance call. Wants to get into the offensive line talk. All right. Oh, Larry, what's going on? It's Eric uh, from Belgium calling. So everyone's talking about signing Dalvin Cook here. Yeah, it'd be a nice piece. It's not something we need. Drafted running back. Got Carter. And Hall will. And we got Donovan Knight. Listen, I don't care who you have at running back. You can have Emmett Smith. If your line sucks, your line sucks. And I'm telling you right now, our line sucks. Like, I, I don't think Pittman's ready. He's not going to be ready. I think Beckton is a mess. Um, Brown is almost 40 years old. Like, we have a serious problem. Not Max Mitchell, maybe you could put it right tackle, but we need a real tackle, man. And that's a real problem. I understand they don't grow on trees and all that, but... um Maybe we could trade for that guy back the area in Green Bay or something. The other thing is that no one's talking about this. Yes, Garrett Wilson, I think, will make the, the next uh, leap to becoming elite. If something happens to him and he gets hurt, what's the difference between the Jets' offense and Green Bay's offense last year? None. 
that you have a bunch of guys that are barely number threes. You don't have a legitimate number two receiver. That, I think, is a huge need. Um, I, because, you know, Rogers, uh, he might not be as good as he once was. Like, giving him another weapon, like a Mike Evans, I, I think, I think our priorities are all out of whack here. I think we need, we need a lineman and another receiver. Like a bonafide number two, like a Mike Evans or, hell, I don't know who's it. We should have, we should have signed Calvin Ridley instead of letting the Jaguars snag him. But again, the Jets traded for him, that, right? Of course. Um, and you sold as Lazard as number two? I mean, if McCole Hardman couldn't do it with Mahomes, what, all of a sudden going to become magic with Rodgers? No, I don't think so. Corey Davis can't stay healthy. We should not have traded Elijah Moore, especially for Kitman, who isn't even ready yet. Like, that was a bad move. That was a bad move. Um, and also, I want to see Michael Clemens starting and getting full playing time because that could be stud. And um, I think he's got the talent to be a lot better than Franklin Myers Oof. or any of the defense. Another JFM slander. Um, let me know what you think. All right, man. I am not here for this JFM slander. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I understand. Look, you mentioned Mike Evans with the trade. Can they make a move at the deadline this year for Mike Evans, for uh, Devontae Adams? They could. They can't give up their first or second round pick, but they could use a mid-round pick this year to trade. They could use the 2025 pick to trade. They'll have the cap space to do it. That's why Rodgers restructured. I think you might see something mid-season, if something, God forbid, happened to Garrett Wilson. But there's not a single player in that receiving core from Green Bay last year that could hold a candle to Garrett Wilson. Christian Watson, nice piece. I'm sure he's going to come along a little bit better in year two even. Um, but I, I like the Jets receiving core beyond him. I think they are, I think Lazard's solid. Someone would give you 700 to 800 receiving yards. Um, they don't have another guy who could, you know, push for a thousand. It's not like, you know, a, a T Higgins number two, but is Alan Lazard or Corey Davis that far off from Gabe Davis? I don't think so. They're not Tyreek and Waddle, obviously for obviously, but they're a serviceable wide receiver unit. And they have running backs that they'll use. They have three running backs that they're comfortable with and probably three tight ends that they're going to be comfortable with too. Offensive line's scary. You can't not be a little bit worried about the offensive line because the amount of variance that it has. It's going to be that's going to be what makes or breaks this team. That line. I'm nervous for it. We got another one. Uh, we got a call in at the buzzer. It's Peter from the beautiful Hudson Valley. Peter, take us home. Hey, man. It's Peter from up in the beautiful Hudson Valley calling in. Hopefully this time this comes through clearer than the message last week that I left. <laughs> You're good. So thank you for playing the previous week's uh, uh, message that I'd left in regards to Quinn uh, Williams, you know, re-signing and uh, the precedent being set. So the Jets now finally... Um, getting draft picks and keeping them, you know, long-term. And let's hope the same thing holds true for, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, you know, Dawes Gardner, and all the rest of the the talent we have on this roster going forward. We want to see those guys remain Jets for as long as possible. Uh, the main thing I had called in about was in regards to the legacy jerseys. Um, okay. 
going back to when I first became a fan in 1981 during the first year of the sack exchange. Those were the jerseys that the Jets wore. It was great to see that they finally are bringing them back. I love seeing them with the Gotham green, uh, as opposed to the Kelly green they were back then. It really pops. It, the, the white really stands out. And they have, obviously, uh, them on the schedule for the first week against the Bills and then week four against the Chiefs. But according to the league rules, they can be worn three times. Uh, my suggestion is to contact the Maros. Um and the Jets-Giants game this year. Yes. The Giants should wear their throwbacks, um, which really pop on their nice blue helmets, you know, with the big, bold Giants on the side of their helmet. And the Jets should have these jerseys uh, against them, considering they're going to be the away team in their home stadium anyway. So I think that would be the perfect third opportunity to wear those jerseys, if you agree. Uh, you know, let us know. And also, since this is Hall of Fame week and we're going to see the Jets play the Browns, obviously go Jets on Thursday and enjoy your trip to Canton. Thank with you. With the crew. Uh, it's a place that's on my bucket list and I hope to eventually get to Canton, Ohio at some point, just financially. Right now, not going to happen. But as always, let's go Jets. Thank you, man. Much appreciated. Yeah, sorry about last week with the... Uh, the call when I beforehand when I was getting ready for the show I went to play the message and it was dead air for like the first forty five seconds I was like ah oh, man sorry sorry Peter from the beautiful Hudson Valley love 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 the jerseys I think they did a great job and you are so freaking spot on with the Giants that would be that would be you can't come up with a better jersey matchup right Oh, just so perfect. Now, against Kansas City, with them wearing the Reds with this jersey, oh, that's going to be beautiful. And then week one, excited to see them in week one. But you're right. They could wear it a third time. And with the Giants throwback look that they brought back, that would be beautiful. On October 29th, Sunday afternoon football in October in New York between the two local teams. Oh, yeah. You are spot on. Good, sir. <laughs> I, I love it. Could not be could not be any more on the money. And I hope that this is uh, something that's going to be strongly considered going forward because I love these jerseys. I think they did a great job. And not too many people are happy with the Jets' current threads, so they could change them after this year. Maybe they'll change it to uh, make these a little bit more permanent. But modernize it. Like you said, blend a little bit. I'm good with the blending. I think that makes a lot of sense. That's going to do it for this episode. Very excited to go through. We did about a little over 45 minutes. I am excited for football on Thursday. I will have you covered on Thursday and through the weekend from Canton, Ohio. So schedule is going to be slightly off from the from the content that you're normally used to. Uh, the preview for Jets, Browns, a little bit more in-depth, will come out later today. Uh, I'm making the drive early Thursday morning, like leaving New York at 4. Uh, so I won't have content until the post game. We'll either do a video recap or a live. It'll depend on what time I get back to the hotel and everything. Uh, and then, yeah, I'll have you covered there. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Much appreciated. Subscribe, leave a like, review. I appreciate it. I'll catch you next time. Go Jets.